Welcome to Decarb Connects podcast. And uh, this week, I'm very pleased to welcome back Anuruddha Sharma, who I first interviewed, I suppose it would have been September 2020, which feels like an incredibly long time ago, even though it's really only just under a year. But um, Anuruddha, you're CEO of Carbon Clean. You're one of the kind of fastest growing carbon capture companies uh, that we read about you all the time. But maybe you could just give a little bit of an introduction to you and how you've arrived at this point of time with the business. And then we'll move into a discussion about carbon capture as service from there. Great. Alex, thank you so much for having me uh, here on the podcast. Great to be back. Uh, and as you rightly said, you know, one year, uh, just under one year, just went past so, so quickly. Um, I was born and brought up in a very small town, Bhopal, which is, really, which is famous for the uh, large chemical industrial disaster. And I think that's really the reason what I, what I do what I do. Um, then I graduated from Indian Institute of Technology, uh, IIT in Kharagpur, and then started this company, Carbon Clean Solutions, back in 2009, which actually seems like a very, very long time back. Um, and then, yeah, it's been about uh, 12 years. We've been working quite hard in uh, bringing the product out of the market and solving the problems for industrial decarbonization. Okay, and I described you very, you know, very vaguely as a leading carbon capture technology. But um, anyone who listens knows carbon capture means many different things to different people. So, what what kind of piece of the market are you targeting? What what's the kind of core product or technology that you're focused on? Sure. So let me just quickly tell you about what carbon capture is from a broader sense, and then I'll talk a bit about what specifically we are focused on. Uh, carbon capture utilization storage is a collective term for a set of technologies that enable any large industrial CO2 emitter to isolate and capture carbon dioxide at that point source, and then either utilize it into another product or go and store this in, a, in an underground cavity, which is the storage for permanent uh, sequestration of CO2. So that whole chain is called carbon capture utilization storage. The first part, which is carbon capture, isolation of CO2 from the smokestack, is the most expensive part, which is where about 60 to 70% of the cost from the whole value chain goes in. Now, we are exactly focused on this part, and we are focused on reducing the cost of this part, which is carbon capture. Now, even under carbon capture, we are helping industries, so steel, cement, uh, waste incineration, refining, and petrochemicals, heavy industry. We're helping them to decarbonize A with a technology, uh, which is quite compact, modular, and could be delivered quite quickly. But at the same point of time, uh, could be scaled up as they move forward with their ambition for decarbonization their existing sites. And I think it's that, that modular piece that makes what you do so interesting, isn't it? Because for, for many industrials, when you talk to them, like the, the first thing, or well, there's probably two things they say when you mention carbon capture as an opportunity. One is, um, is it is it scalable yet? Which you're proving <laughs> that it is. And the other is, how do we afford it? So the, the answer in part is, well, industrially dip your toe in, you know, use this kind of modular opportunity to, to build up and scale as you as you go. So, yeah, interesting, interesting opportunity that you're you're bringing to them. OK, let's let's kind of reset then so that the kind of conversation that we're we're here to have is really looking at carbon capture as a service. But. I mean, in the context of this year with COP26 coming up in November, and that does feel like it's hurtling towards us, doesn't it? Tell, tell me a bit about 
what what are your expectations for that meeting and what are you hoping that it will do either for the market or for policy or for you know what are you looking forward to about it what what are your hopes for that for that point in time sure um so i think my hopes to be honest uh is that that the world will be able to achieve a uh, an agreement where everyone agrees on a decarbonization target and achievement of net zero ambition uh, i think paris was uh, was a first step towards it where we all agreed to do something but i think we now need action we now need really really solid steps that this is what every single country would do to be able to achieve that net zero ambition so my hope is the world will be able to actually agree on that plan that this is how we'll do it collaboratively because this is not about one country or two country or a continent this is about the whole planet uh what this means um for industrial decarbonization carbon capture policy i think this could potentially mean quite a lot of things uh if the world leaders become really really ambitious and agree on a plan then this could mean that accelerating decarbonization of heavy industry which today can't be replaced i mean we can't shut down cement plants and steel plants because we do need those uh, those products and carbon capture is potentially one of the very few ways how you could actually start the decarbonization in 2021 we don't have to wait for 2025 or 2030 and think about oh we need to reinvent the whole wheel around cement production or steel production we don't have to do any of that we can actually decarbonize this today and if that were to happen i mean iea says that we need to scale up carbon capture um from about 40 million tons captured today about 500 times between now and 2050 uh and to give you an idea what this would mean is it would probably mean creation of a couple of companies of the size of bp just doing carbon capture that's quite a, it's quite a mental image to play with that isn't it um the kind of the speed of of growth needed to really have that bigger impact and but also yeah interesting to contextualize it around those big oil and gas engineering companies because i guess that's it kind of points to one of sometimes the criticisms or pushback against carbon capture is oh is it just a way to let the fossil fuel companies have their cake and eat it but uh you know it, the the answer is well this is one tool isn't it i mean i imagine i doubt that you're presenting this to people as this is the only thing you ever need this is one very important tool in a in a whole mix am i right yeah absolutely i mean look uh carbon capture is not a silver bullet and i don't think any single technology is a single is a is a silver bullet uh we do need all the arrows in our quiver to be able to solve the the climate change problem to be able to achieve net zero ambition because honestly i mean what works for one site one company one country one community does not necessarily work for other country other uh, company other site or the community so we need to have a suite of options and say okay well if the site is this 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 and this then this option works or and or if the site is this this and this then this option works so we absolutely need uh, as many options as possible actually to be able to solve the issue of global warming and climate change okay well um as i mentioned at the beginning you know the, the kind of core kind of discussion point um, for us today is really about this idea of carbon capture as a service which is uh something kind of we start to read a little bit more and more about as the ecosystem evolves but I wonder if you could kind of kick us off with just your thoughts on what's that what's your lens on that like what does that mean when we describe carbon capture as a service 
Um, sure. and what does it mean to the clients that I imagine are bringing that to you as a, a hope <laughs> that you're going to be able to, to play that into their business? Exactly. Well, I mean, to, to contextualize that, uh, Alex, let me just tell you the, the problem most of these companies and industry they're facing as they think about carbon capture, the solution. For example, if you are the CEO of a cement plant or a steel plant or any other heavy industry, you would have a couple of options, you know, carbon capture, you would be thinking about hydrogen, you would be thinking about biomass, uh, biomass with carbon capture and storage, and then be basically confused, what should I do, you know, and how should I do this? Actual knowledge, quite a lot of the knowledge actually sits with the oil and gas companies, uh, just because they've had the experience of doing this uh, over a period of years, number one, and number two, uh, the, the, the kind of human capital they have in the business, it's just so sophisticated that it allows them to look at all these options and say, this is the best option for us. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to simplify this for heavy industry or for the industrial sites where they do not necessarily have the understanding of uh, what their options are. For example, a cement plant. If you go to these people and if you talk to the, the, the operators on site or even the head of the plant, they say, well, I produce cement, and that's all I know about. I don't know anything about carbon capture or carbon capture and storage. So it is for this specific segment of the market, we've come out with a service um, to go and help them in implementing carbon dioxide capture. And we do this by a mix of two things. One, a modular technology, which could go to their site and fit in quite easily. And second, innovative finance, which we bring in to say that, hey, uh, Mr. CEO, you don't have to invest in this whole plant or in this project today. You can actually agree to pay us over a period of 10 years, and then we agree on a decarbonization plan. Now, this does two things. One, as a CEO of a, of a heavy industrial site or heavy industrial company, you don't have to worry about, uh, about raising quite a lot of finance for a technology you or your people do not understand how it works. You could just say, I'm actually leasing equipment or I'm actually buying this service from an expert, number one. Number two, you can actually scale up the service. So you can actually say, well, I need 5% decarbonization between 21 and 23. I need the decarbonization go from 5% to 25% between 23 and 25. From then, I want to scale up by 5% every year. What this would do is it, it would allow you to successively build on what you already have and scale up your carbon capture uh, capacity and decarbonization capacity over a period of time. And hence, uh, the solution is called uh, carbon capture as a service, uh, or the other name is technology as a service as well. Okay. And then that, that concept that you described obviously implies a kind of a web of partners that you're, you're bringing into this mix. So where are we with carbon capture as a service in terms of development? Like how, how much of it how much of that ecosystem exists right now? I mean, uh, I know we're going to talk in a moment about the ACORN project, but in more general terms, how much of this is like, oh, it's a no-brainer versus, okay, we have this bit sorted, we're still looking at X, Y, Z. You know, tell us a bit about the kind of status of it. Great question, Alex. Um, I think as far as the overall scheme is concerned, it's certainly in its nascent stage. Because if you think about a carbon capture as service, a technology as service is an option. You need a couple of things. You need a technology company, you need a EPC company, you need a financing company, and you need an operations company. Uh, and you need all four of them sorted before you can actually uh, launch this service. 
what we did is last year we announced a project with the Marubeni. It's a shareholder of ours, but it's also a finance house that's going to provide the financing for the uh, for the equipment. Uh, we are the technology company. We bring our, with ourselves an EPC company, for example, Wood Group um, or a KBR or other people who can actually deliver this uh, in time, on budget, on the site. And the third most important part is a service company uh, that could provide the service for storing the CO2. And that's really where our shareholder Equinor comes in because they are developing a massive big storage off the coast of Norway. So yes, we are currently in a, in a nascent stage, but what we are doing at Carbon Clean is we are trying to put all the dots together so that we can draw a clear map of this is how this service will be delivered for companies across, across Europe. We've started from Europe first. Um, this business model would need government funding, like any other business model, any other proposition, uh, any other technology, as we scale up, we do need government support um, as we go forward. And it's, it's, it's exactly there where the UK government's uh, latest announcement on industrial uh, carbon capture utilization um, funding, that starts to play in. I'm really, really pleased that British government has actually uh, formally mentioned carbon capture as a service in that document, which means government clearly realizes the need for a business model where technology could be offered as a service and customers could pay for it over a period of 10 years. Are you seeing uh, kind of similar movements by governments elsewhere as well to kind of support the model, not just the, the technology and the innovation? Absolutely. Um, the European Union uh, Innovation Funding, they're offering a certain uh, match, upfront match as a capital grant. And then there is a certain match funding for the entire period of operations of the project, so about 10 years. We're certainly seeing that uh, the model in the US is, is actually very supportive of this uh, carbon capture as a service model, because what the government does in the US is they provide you tax credits. And to be able to claim the credits, you need to have a project that's up and running. And hence, it's, it's directly aligned with carbon capture as a service and incentivizing people to, uh, to sort of develop this as a business model, as a proper business model. Uh, that could pay for itself over a period of next 10 years. And uh, interestingly, we uh, actually just recorded a podcast with uh, Liquid Wind, who I know Carbon Clean is integral, I guess, as a shareholder, am I right? As well as uh, yes, we a shareholder. project partner. But I was interested talking to them that they, they were describing a, you know, a, a project environment for Liquid Wind where they're hoping that those key partners will be the partners that they replicate uh, a number of projects with in an ideal world. Is that... Is that the, the kind of goal or is that the idea of the partnerships you're forming? Or do you see that they might flex and change region to region? What, what's your sense of that? No, no, I mean, I think it's definitely the, uh, the, the former. Uh, the idea is to actually develop a consortium um, because like I said, carbon capture and utilization or storage is a set of uh, technologies coming together to form a project. Uh, when you go from one project, successfully delivering one project, you've, you've actually taken out all the risk uh, that come from individual technologies, integration of individual technologies, uh, you know, raising the financing for, a, for an innovative project like that. So you've actually de-risked the whole project and the business model. You don't want to bring risk again and say, well, actually, for this project, let's do this. No, no, no. You have got a project. It's well-proven. It's well-funded. It's de-risked. 
let's just replicate this and, uh, and, and try and do this at scale. Okay. Well, on that note, then let, let's have a look at that kind of inaction with the Acorn project. So, um, tell yeah, I we we did a podcast, I guess, the, towards the beginning of the year with Storega, who are a, a key part of that as well. But again, give us the lie of the land. What what's the project? Where is it based? And how does this kind of play into this concept of carbon capture as service? Uh, Acorn is a world leading industrial decarbonization carbon capture utilization storage project uh, based in uh, St. Fergus Terminal uh, within Scotland. Uh, the plan, the central plan of Acorn project is to utilize uh, the existing oil and gas infrastructure to be able to send the CO2 back in the North Sea and then store it uh, for a very, very long time. And because it's a, it's a project that's utilizing existing infrastructure, it would be scaled up quite easily and quite quickly. Um, and I'm confident that the Storiga team and the partners are actually working on a plan to potentially scale up the, uh, the, the, the project's capacity to be able to store uh, 5 to 10 million tons of carbon dioxide um, between 25 and 2030. So that's going to be a massive, big milestone. Um, carbon Clean is uh, partnering with the ACON team, uh, ACON project team, to help deliver the feed. Uh, front-end engineering design, which is, uh, I mean, in, 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 in layman's terms, is the first blueprint of how a project will be built, what will be built, what all parts will be required, and how much will it cost. So that's the first, uh, first close look at the blueprint of the project. That's exactly what we're working on uh, from a carbon capture side. At the same point of time, Storiga team and Acon team are working on, parallelly working on uh, options like integrating hydrogen, uh, options like uh, integrating uh, some of direct air capture capacity uh, so that all the CO2 could be stored uh, directly in the North Sea. And timeline on that feed study, what, what's the kind of, yeah, the timeline of this first phase versus perhaps timeline for, you know, a kind of... The, the spade to go into the ground or for the, the project to be open as a commercial entity? What, what are those key stage timelines? So uh, to be honest, Alex, um, the timelines beyond the feed study uh, would also depend on the government decision-making. I mean, as you know, it's a large infrastructure project and, and, the, and the government has announced a billion pounds for carbon capture and decarbonization. And they're currently in the process of uh, deciding the first two industrial clusters uh, they would like to fund for decarbonization. And they've said that the first one should be operational by 2025. So if you sort of try and work backwards from there, sort of links up from there. So I think the, 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 the timeline depends on when the government uh, makes a decision, uh, the contracts uh, that could be agreed between uh, ACORN and the government team, uh, and then the project starts. Okay. Uh, in terms of the, the, the feed study, and that we're doing at this point of time, we are planning to finish it by the end of this year. Okay, so so yeah, it's been a, a busy, a really busy time for you. I know that you're now 50, 50 odd people aiming to be 70 plus by the end of this year. Is that right? So that's correct. Yeah. Massive growth in terms of personnel. Um, and that is off the back of the previous finance round. You're about to go through, or you are in the process of going through another kind of uh, investment round tell us tell us about that what where are you at with that and what are you hoping that's going to unleash for you next 
uh, yeah, very, very interesting times for us, uh, Alex. I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Just under a year when we did the, uh, the podcast in September last year, we were 15 people at that point of time. And we've, uh, we are now 49. And like you said, we're going to be over 70 by the end of the year. So again, the team is growing quite fast. Uh, the opportunity set at the same point of time is growing uh, super fast as well. I mean, the investment that the government wants to make and the industry wants to make in terms of building back better uh, and the and the need for that to be green and clean, I think that's driving a huge demand in the market for um, for for our solution. Um, but uh, but to your question around the investment round, so we have actually uh, closed the investment round, which was led by Semex Semex Ventures. Um, Semex is one of the largest uh, cement and concrete products company out there. Uh, they've led this $8 million round, which was also participated by our existing investors, uh, Equinor and Wave Equity Partners uh, as well. So we are planning and we are hoping to use this money um, to further grow the team and then deliver on the new projects that we are signing up. Um, we would be, uh, we would be uh, following up quite closely the development with the, with the British government uh, because we're helping a couple of the sites uh, in the UK for developing a plan, a decarbonization strategy and a plan so that they can get the right level of support from the government. And we're doing exactly the same thing uh, with a couple of companies in Europe as well. So, so yeah, lots lots going on and uh, and lots of exciting times ahead. Before we kind of close out, I guess one of the questions I was interested in are, are the partnerships that you're forming that, that really feel... They are they're helping sort of drive your mission forward. Now, obviously, you've mentioned Equinor, you've mentioned Marabeni, I mentioned Liquid Wind. That's what, I know that's one one of a number. But other 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 companies that you're in partnership with that that we should flag up and sort of explain as part of your broader ecosystem. We have a fully functional partners program, uh, and we classify the partners in two buckets. One is strategic partners, and second, the execution slash development partners. A um, couple of other strategic partners, I mean, you've named some of them, a couple of others are Semex. So they've become an investor, but at the same point of time, uh, we are working with them in California and the US to, uh, to build a small carbon capture demonstration unit, which is funded by the, by the US Department of Energy. Uh, similarly with Veolia, uh, we have announced a, a joint vehicle to deliver the technology as a service in Asia and one of the geographies in Asia. But at the same point of time, we have announced, uh, I think two months back, we have announced a, a project with them in the UK to demonstrate carbon capture from uh, energy from waste units, energy from waste sites. So the, you know, that's a bit about the strategic partners. And then there are uh, development partners, so the partners with whom we are actually uh, collaborating to get into new areas, new geographies, or do something really, really interesting. A great example is our partnership with Bayertech in the U.S. The, the vision is to deliver low-cost blue hydrogen on a distributed basis. And we are partnering with them to provide a specific and a specialized piece of equipment which will help remove the carbon dioxide so the blue hydrogen could be delivered to the end customers. To that end, we are discussing a couple of projects in the U.S., uh, where the blue hydrogen demand is just spiking up. So I think uh, Biotech is a great example uh, as far as developmental partners are concerned and the kind of partnerships we're launching. 
Lovely. Uh, one of the one of the things that I probably want to just maybe highlight before we go mm-hmm. is that we have uh, we've just started the uh, the next generation version of our technology in Scotland. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, this is this is world's first really really compact, another you know, ten times smaller kit mounted unit we talk about. We've just started that up in Scotland. We would also be uh, opening that up at uh, at COP, so that delegates who are coming to COP could actually just drive twenty minutes and see what's happening in real life. As oh, as that's amazing. Yeah, we we get a lot of companies asking us about the kind of site visits, um, not just in the UK, but uh, across Europe and elsewhere, because I think there's a lot of interest in, I suppose, seeing all of these decarbonisation technologies as a, you know, in situ. I mean, obviously, if you're the company that's partnering with someone at the pilot stage, you're like, yeah, we have it in situ. But a lot of companies just have that curiosity about, well, how does this work? How, where you have an existing plant, you know, how does this sit alongside so that's a great opportunity for people to explore that so so just picking up on that Anaruda, that the project that you have that you'll be able to demonstrate on on site in scotland around uh, in september and also around cop 26 who's who's the partner with that and is it sort of linked to a particular kind of uh, sector industrial sector or is it a uh, a demonstration a more general demonstration of that new technology um a great question alex yeah so it's uh, it's more like a, a general demonstration of the technology um, so that we can actually test a couple of things, what's happening, what's not happening. You could also modify the unit to suit any specific industrial application as well. Uh, and the partner with whom we are doing this are Duzan Babcock, based in Renfrew in Scotland. Uh, great partner, massive engineering expertise, massive amount of information and knowledge on carbon capture. Um, so yeah, we're definitely partnering with this and this unit is hosted within one of their sites. Wonderful. Well, I think that's, uh, as I said, big opportunity for people um, to really see some of this technology in action. So uh, good luck with those site visits. I mean, always lovely to see you, Hannah. You've been um, very generous with your time today, but also previously with with us at Decarb Connect. So thank you for that. Um, I know you've got lots going on in the run up to COP26, but you're also going to be joining us, I think, at uh, Decarb Connect Europe, which is our European iteration in October. So we will be getting under the bonnet of more of your projects in consortia then, I'm sure. Um, but thank you again and congratulations on a, another successful investment round. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to see where this year takes you next. No problem, Alex. I mean, again, great. Thank you so much for, for having me here. Always, uh, always amazing to come here and, uh, and talk to you and share, uh, uh, share our story with you as a, as a, as a, more like as a friend. Um, and I'll definitely be looking forward to the Europe version of Decarb Connect in October. Good luck, obviously, with COP26, although I will see you before then. But thank you again, Anna Rita, always a, always a pleasure. Absolutely, Alex. Thank you so much.